Welcome to episode 119. Today, the legendary Dr. Lisa Oshlander from the Bridges to Success program talks about her approach to supporting SLIFE. Welcome to the Teaching Multilingual Learners podcast. This podcast celebrates teachers who answer the calling to serve multilingual students and their families. Your beautiful smile, your beautiful life are waiting for you to shine bright. It's never too early or late to start to rise up and shine. Your beautiful smile, your beautiful life are waiting for you to shine bright. It's never too early or late to start to rise up and shine. This conversation adds to our SLIFE series. Dr. Oshlander is the Principal Investigator and Program Director of Bridges to Success. This project is an extensive collaboration among the City University of New York researchers and content developers, language and literacy teachers, and school administrators. Though this program is funded by the state of New York, the principles are applicable to wherever you are. Now, on to today's podcast. I am so honored and excited to have Dr. Lisa Oslander to the podcast, on the podcast. Uh, I learned about you because I was tweeting on, I was on Twitter and someone said, hey, Tan, do you know anything about SLIFE? And I was like, besides uh, Carol Salva, I know nothing. And then she came back to me a few days later. She's like, here, look what I found, uh, CUNY NICEF. And I was like, oh, and I looked on the website and I found all these things. And I was like, oh, this must be a podcast. So I'm so honored to have you, Dr. Alicia Oslinder. Thank you so much, Tom. So excited to be here with you. It's great. Would you introduce yourself to the audience? Just give a little bit of a background of your context and what your work is, where you where you sure. work right now. So um, I work at Bridges to Academic Success, and we're a project of CUNY at the Graduate Center. And we've been around for about eight years. I've been with the project for about six years, and we're funded by NYSA, the New York State um, Education Department, OBEWL. So it's the Office of Bilingual Education and World Languages. And we were contracted many years ago to do curriculum and resources to support our SLIFE learners. Um, and my background, I was a teacher and an administrator in New York State, New York City, actually, for many years. And then I transitioned, um, did my doctorate at CUNY, Urban Education, actually, that department, and then came and worked and started and became the project director and the PI. So that's a little the background of, of how I came to Bridges and what Bridges is doing. Right. You told us before even recording, you told us, you told me that you're a social studies teacher. And where did you teach? What borough did you teach in New York City? I taught in Brooklyn at two different schools. I taught in a middle school and a high school for about 10 years. Right. So you have that experience yeah. in the class. Oh, definitely. Definitely. A lot of my, you know, my passion for this work comes out of that, those experiences. Um, and then later in doing professional learning for teachers in the city. Speaking of experience, can you share a story of working with a SLIFE student that has informed your practice to this day? Sure. So I had SLIFE students um, in my social studies inclusion classes all the time as a middle and high school teacher. 
Um, and as a content teacher, I struggled to know how to differentiate for them and wanted to help them succeed. But one student I had, I'll call him Miguel, he was a student from Mexico. He was very quiet and very dedicated. Um, and he worked really hard, but I knew that I wasn't providing him with enough language support in my lessons um, so that he could be more successful. So I consulted my partner ENL teacher and she taught me a lot of strategies. And I really credit her. Um, she helped me include supports in my lesson. She helped me plan. And I, I really, she was really kind and patient with me. And I'm always, I'm forever grateful to her and also to Miguel, his dedication for teaching me how to better incorporate language into my content teaching. So often I think about him and her um, and how I started to grow in this area. Right. right. I always, uh, so in our field, we think about Dr. Andrew Hagensfeld and Dr. Maria G. Dove, and they always talk about like, teacher collaboration doesn't benefit, does not benefit just the student. Like the teacher benefits, right? Exactly. The teachers grow so much from the personal experience. And so I know that I'm a better teacher because I collaborate with my colleagues. They have actually helped me expand my mindset on what multilinguals can do, like surprisingly, right? Like my content teacher is like, no, we're not gonna water down the curriculum for them. You're going to yeah. make them do the same project. Your job is to figure out how to get them there. And I was like, oh, OK. You don't want me to pull them out of your classes? No, they must do the same thing, right? That's awesome, right. yes. Collaboration is really key. Right. We believe that. I believe that, too. That's awesome that you um, had that experience. Right. And our kids teach us so much. I feel like sometimes I'm like, the first year I teach a, teach a new unit, I feel like I'm better the second year. I'm always like, ooh, because my kids show yes. me, yeah, Mr. Tan, that didn't work at all. Let's try that again. <laughs> I know, they teach you what works. They yeah. definitely do. Yeah. They're the biggest teacher, our students, right. that's right. for sure. If we're receptive enough to-, to Yes, learn. if we can learn and we're open to learning. That's exactly. really true. Right. So you're yep. part of the Bridges program. And yes. so tell us how it started. So um, the, the members of our team who developed this work at the time did so out of the need they saw in their own classrooms and schools um, and the ways that many SIF learners weren't set up for success. And, and like we talking about, they saw some of the gaps in their own learning, right, as teachers. Um, and so, and also on the flip side, like my predecessor and founding PI, Elaine Klein, Dr. Elaine Klein, she also conducted research with her colleague and found that SIFE needed more literacy support in classrooms. Right, right. So when these folks came together, um, you know, this was a platform, they began this project as a way to serve SIFE. Right. Um, at the time, and even today, there's just not enough teacher training on how to support English learners in general in content area classrooms, and they saw this and wanted to make a change. And New York State has been an amazing pioneer in supporting our students and funded our work for the past seven years in creating resources for SIFE and professional learning for teachers. And so this is how we came about. It started kind of small and then expanded. Um, and we've, you know, served over, we've served thousands of students right. as a result of this right. work. Right. Um, we primarily serve middle and high school students. Right because this has been the biggest area of need and the biggest area where um, our students risk dropout. Right. So that's how we began. And I joined about six years ago um, when we were contracted to revise our ENL curriculum. Would you tell us about, you said that SLIFE kids, there was a gap between literacy. Can you tell us more about that? So often, um, 
our SLIFE learners are um, thrown into content area classrooms without language development support in the classrooms or incorporated into the lesson planning. Um, particularly SIFE, in New York State, they're, they're known as SIFE, um, across the country as SLIFE, but whether, whatever, um, whatever we name them, our students with interrupted and inconsistent schooling struggle in, in many cases because they've had gaps in their education for a variety of reasons, or they've had inconsistent education. And so they may not have, um, you know, they may have a lot of knowledge and experience, but they don't necessarily have exposure to the academic habits and routines required by US classrooms. And this is um, one of the challenges they face when they walk into our US classrooms and there are all these expectations set up um, for them and they're not oriented to the school, to the expectations and to the routines. And so a lot of what we do um, is we help set up student um, newcomer classrooms that are often you know, um, set aside from their regular uh, content area classrooms in the beginning to sort of offer them accelerated learning routines and teaching them the routines, um, accelerating their language and literacy. So that's one of the things that we do in addition to helping content area teachers work with um, Siphon newcomer students in their classrooms. Let's, but that's one of the things is they're missing sort of this language development support. And although that's true often for all English learners, if our students struggle because they have home language literacy levels that are third grade or sixth grade and below, depending on the program they're in. So they're often at lower literacy levels, but still have a lot of experience and knowledge that can be tapped. Um, and this is something that we we also you know address in our training. It's like the, yeah. It's like the main theme between all of my guests. It's always about like shifting from deficit to yes. thinking about assets. Like, yes, they have interrupted formal education, but yet they still have so many things that they're experienced that they could teach us, that they could bring to the classroom that they already have an understanding of. Exactly. And a lot of our curriculum um, and resources are about leveraging what students already know and their experience right. in order to help them learn um, new skills. And I think that's true for all students, but particularly site, there is this deficit thinking and there is this expectation that students cannot do. And so a lot of the teacher training is about shifting that mindset. And, right. um, you know, I think it's really important work. And a lot of teachers do. A lot of teachers need the support, too. Right. Um, and that's another key you know, theme is how do we provide our teachers with support right. so they can be better and really be there for our students. So I know that when I work with teachers, I always they always want the strategies, but I'm always like, Let's yeah. talk about the mindsets. Like, do you believe that kids can do this? Like, I remember like the time before oh. WIDA and the time after. Like, the time before WIDA was like, kids can't do this. They can't be expected to do that. And then when WIDA came into my life, thank you, Dr. Gar Margot Gottlieb, they were always like, yes, what kids, what can kids do? That shifted everything. And then the strategies that I now share come from what can students do? What can I do? Exactly, exactly. We always begin with that. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I feel like that's a big theme in our work. We always start our trainings with the learner. We give examples of who our learners are. We provide profiles of learners that are sort of um, drawn from our experience in classrooms. 
And we, we part of those profiles list and describe all the things our students are capable of. Right. So, you know, so that teachers can start dig into that. And then we help student, we help our teachers also develop profiles of their students right. that they can share with others to help others understand the strengths. Right. So I think that's really key before you get into the strategies. Totally right. love that you said that because I think that is a big part of how we work too. Right. And when so important. Right. The way we yeah. see our kids determine the way we teach them. Yes, that's deep. That's very important. So you talked yeah. about newcomer classroom and you talked about two things. You talked about accelerated learning and then supporting content teachers. Can you talk about one of them individually? Sure. So we offer a variety of programs. In the beginning, we offered the main focus of our work has been an ENL ELA curriculum aligned to CR Part 154, which is a very New York state policy it's a new york state policy yeah. but really it was designed to help our entering students who are very heterogeneous have a variety anywhere from new to print um you know to ability to decode but need help in reading comprehension so there's a there's a big range of learners at the entering level mm -hmm. and many of those who are scythe sort of get um you know struggle and it, as they come into the continuary classroom. So the sheltered program, this curriculum is a um, part of a sheltered program that we offer that many schools who have a larger population of Scythe, they need that classroom to help accelerate the students learning so that they can be more successful in the continuary classrooms. Um, and so that that is, we don't, we, we worked really hard though, however, even though we focus on literacy skills and we built an actual curriculum in ELA that includes rigor, essential questions, um, challenging themes of high interest to the students. So we're not sacrificing that rigor when we're teaching language development. So, you know, and then we have progress monitoring in the classroom. So if students test out, they move into other classrooms, um, you know, a regular ELA classroom. And then what we also do, what we've begun to offer more recently is um, we're working on a guided math curriculum to do the same thing for students who are going into algebra and need that extra support. Um, we're also have a home language arts Spanish curriculum. And what we've also done is create an online um, course for t content teachers and ENL teachers who partner to come as teacher teams oh, wow. to do exactly what you were describing earlier to kind of leverage some of the strategies that we have found successful in our sheltered classrooms and how do we utilize these, how can we apply these in content area classrooms. And that has been pretty successful as well. And that's something we offer in New York State and also outside the state and other districts that we've had a lot of success with. Um, because we found that after our Bridges Newcomer program, often students still struggled if other teachers didn't learn some of those same strategies and applied them in a content area classroom. So we try to do both. Um, and it's been really rich and we, we really learn a lot from our teachers. You know, we take a lot of feedback from our teachers, which is another reason I think we experience success. Right, right. Um, we listen. Yes. I think it's about two, like two sides of the coin. Like we want to teach students transferable skills for them to develop independence, but we also want to have teachers adopt transferable skills so they can work when we're not in their classes or when the SLIFE students are now out of that program, because those do need help if we're in the, not in the program. You talked about, I like the word accelerate instead of like watered down, because when we work, this is mm. often happens when we, intention is different than impact. And oftentimes schools will have like, oh, here, let's pull them out. Let's have them, let's have a, a welcome center, a welcome classroom. But what happens is their instruction is not rigorous. Sometimes that it's watered down, like they, they say, okay, well, they're at this level, let's bring it all the way down. And yet 
that kind of causes uh, the achievement gap. And so I like that you talked about accelerating so that they can uh, be on par with their classmates. What are some things that you do in that classroom? Are you going to say something? Go ahead. Um, no, I was just going to say, I one like our vision is that students can um, can participate meaningfully in classrooms. And what we see often is that students sit back, aren't participating, aren't engaged. And so what we're trying to do is provide um, opportunities for students to have more meaningful experiences, both in their classroom and then outside beyond the classroom. So that's really the goal. And that's what we have in mind always when like designing programs and resources. So what is that accelerated program when you design that accelerated program? What does that look like? Well, we have a couple of different models in the newcomer classroom, which is a newcomer classroom. The sheltered classroom is designed that way. Um, there are two different curricula that support one another. One is a standalone curriculum, which is centers based. And the idea is that students are working in centers and then working with the teacher in group reading and um, guided reading strategies um, and guided writing strategies. And so they get teacher-led instruction, but they're also trained how to work collaboratively in groups. It's more homogenous, but obviously they're changing skill all the time and accelerating and helping one another. So there's a combination of teaching the language and literacy skills. And for the students who need it, there are foundational skills that sometimes they did not have or don't know or need help with. So for those students, we do teach the foundational skills, which is not really heard of in high school, which is one of the reasons why our students fail. So for those who need it, they get the foundational skills. For those who don't, they're right up there wherever, you know, they get leveled and taught the skills that are needed. And we try to do that in a way that's engaging, interesting, and they work in the centers-based model and are trained to work in those routines. And we have videos online that are really exciting if anyone wants to see them because they actually show what that classroom looks like. We have walls that talk that really engage students in the physical environment and allow students to use resources in the classroom independently. It's really focused, the standalone classroom for ENL is really focused on building independence for students and helping them feel successful. Um, and then we have an integrated ELA curriculum that I was describing that kind of is the counterpart to the ENL that really focuses on, it's really more like a traditional ELA classroom and sort of preparing our SIFE students who may be entering the country, you know, for the first couple of months to what it looks like, what are the routines, using essential questions, using home language to leverage learning, um, robust themes, getting students to start writing and reading stretch texts. So we believe these two kinds of curricula working together really help accelerate learning. And we've had some data to show that it, it really, for the students who stay in school and are in the program, that it really works well for them. And a lot of that is also teacher dependent, you know, building that culture. And we talk a lot about building a welcoming culture and what that looks like and get examples and teachers bring their own examples. And um, that's equally important to the language and literacy work that we do. So those are those are just some descriptions. We often also build in what's called instructional protocols. Some of them have been around for a long time. We use something called Read, Retell, Respond, which um, allows students to use home language as a way to um, access and build onto the new language um, with annotation. We use um, things like LEA, which has been around for a long time, the language experience approach, but in a way that's modified for the secondary level. You know, so we use a lot of instructional protocols that can really ground the students in particular instructional routines. And that's often what we use for our content teachers. You know, We try to leverage those routines and those protocols and teach them in a differentiated way for the content teachers. Right. Right. So those are just a few examples. Right. I actually remember looking up a language experience approach when I was facilitating a workshop for teachers. 
and bridges came up and I was like, this is why, like one of your videos came up for the language experience approach. Oh, like, right. Yes. And you have, oh, and I, nice. and I clicked on your channel and I was like, wow, they have many, many more videos. We have a lot of videos, so please, yeah. yes, well, hopefully your listeners can access those. And I think that people have said they're very useful. Yeah, I think it's just like Bridges, right? Bridges. Bridges to academic success. Right. And then the website is bridges-sifeproject.com. So let's move to talking about like content teachers. So we talked about the accelerated classroom. Let's talk about what are the things we could do to support teachers in when they're working with the Slife kids. Well, what we do is in our online course, we kind of give an overview and we provide some of those same strategies like the read, retell, respond, and we show different ways it can be used in a more mixed inclusion classroom. So we have example videos, we have curricular samples that we give teachers that show how they could differentiate using that strategy for a variety of students in their classroom and sort of how they can insert that into their lesson. Um, so we also have a writing rubric that we developed for Siphon newcomers that includes um, the helping teachers assess at the word and phrase level and sentence level because that's missing often in, in continuity classrooms and it also allows teachers to possibly utilize and give credit for ideas in home language to encourage the students so even if they're still struggling with English language they can get credit for ideas so we developed that with Cal the Center for Applied Linguistics and we utilize that in our um, online course. We have a version of it for our curriculum for the site with developing literacy and a version that we use with content area teachers. So that way really, and then students can see and track their growth much like they can in reading. And that can be used in a social studies classroom or in some cases, some science classrooms. So that's a way we do it. We also like really in our, in our professional learning, we try to give teachers time to take some of the strategies and apply them. Um, and get feedback. So we really try to make it interactive that way and applied learning as opposed to just, you know, get, you know, give and get kind of PD kind of experiences. So that's another kind of principle of our um, professional learning. The other thing we focus on in our online course and around content area teacher and, you know, teacher teams is socio-emotional learning, um, which is now I feel finally become more popular and like in the mainstream it wasn't I think when we start creating the curriculum and it's really, really important for our students that we build that kind of welcoming culture and think about unpack what that looks like. Yes. Um, so we do some overview training about socio emotional learning and we provide some strategies specific to newcomers. When I interviewed Dr. Helene Marshall, she was she said like, if you can remember nothing else, just remember this, that when you work with Slife kids, it's all relational. Like everything is about, right? Because they've come from cultures where it's like, usually she said around 70, 75% of the Slife kids in America come from uh, collectivist cultures. And they don't learn by like disassociated relationships. They learn from people who they trust and they care, who care about them. And so when that happens, that's when the learning, they can trust you they'll learn from you. That's so true. And Helene Marshall, her work really inspired us. She's one of the folks that ins right. you know, inspired us right. with our work and to how to make that um, into resources and materials. Right. So right. definitely inspired by her work. Right. Let's now talk about uh, the, so we talked about the academic side with family, with students and teachers. Yeah. Now let's talk about families. Yeah. I mean, one of the most important things that the schools consult, we, we have models and examples of how schools um, consult with incoming families, because that's such an important part of the work. 
So we have the schools consult with incoming families and discuss whether Bridges programs, particularly the shelter program, right? Because that's very specific, is right for their children. And so often the, the families provide transcripts from the home country showing what schooling the students have had. The school's required to administer the multilingual site screener to determine the child's home language literacy levels in New York State. Um, and for Cypher at third grade and below, the ENL ELA shelter class is a good fit. And then for students who are at sixth grade and below, we have other programs, including home language arts and Spanish and the guided math that we're developing to accelerate student math skills. But it's really important, we emphasize um, creating partnership with the families and you know, buy-in, is this a, the right fit? They, we want them to understand what their students, what their children are doing in the program. And we welcome families in the classroom and we work with teachers to support that. Most of our, however, the, the teachers who come to us usually are very much partnered with the family. A lot of it is just determining that the school loops in the family, both I would say at the beginning of the year and also the end of the year as students are transitioning out right. to think about what the right plan is for our students if they're integrating in um, a more traditional ELA classroom. And there are students who transition out early who are ready you know, to go out of the classroom. They just need that space for a while. So I think we really try to emphasize that when we work with schools to bring the family in as a partner. And what we found is that schools really do. Right. Um, we even have one school that has created an amazing process of an enrollment team at their school where they um, interview the, the family, show them Bridges curriculum, show them the criteria and really engage them. And they include a counselor in that team. So there's a there's a lot of different ways to, to do that depending on the school. Um, but that's just one example of how to partner with the families. Right, right. I want to tap into your rich background and uh, knowledge because you've worked with so many schools supporting their programs. And so you have so many stories about like working with parents or teachers or students. What stories do you remember that you're like, you know what, this is what I really wanted to share with uh, listeners so they remember? In the, in the book I wrote, I wrote a book um, it's more research-based. It's called Creating Responsive Classroom Communities, a cross-case study of schools serving SIFE, basically. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think of one story. I guess I'll just say, you know, in that book, we, I have a lot of stories that I collected from schools because I really was touched by all, all the stories. Um, one story is just, there's so many stories of courage. Yes and you know resilience nice. and students working through really challenging situations and teachers partnering with them to do that and not only teachers but counselors so i you know i did a lot of interviews with counselors and just you know um one story is about a teenage one of the you know adolescents who was pregnant um who was in a psych class and who um was struggling and didn't know if they were going to be able to make it through. And she was able to, the counselor was able to go out and get additional support at the district level for the students so she could have childcare. Oh, and the good. student made it through and she, you know, she made it through the year and she made it um, through to graduation. Um, so that was really, you know, I, I just think that's such a powerful story and testimonial to, to some of the students that we have who just work through so many challenges. Um, you know, we also have a lot of unaccompanied minor schools who've had unaccompanied minors who, you know, teachers start to realize that they're, you know, they're teaching in the class and assigning them reading assignments. Meanwhile, the student may have crossed the border alone, been, um, 
experienced physical, emotional violence along the way, had to take care of young children. And so they start to learn about the students and that, you know, a lot, some of our students have experienced really, really huge challenges that even we as adults haven't had to face in some cases. So I think like never taking for granted what your students don't know, do or do not know, um, really trying to understand who students are. Everyone's different. Not everyone has those challenging experiences. Certainly not all SIFE do, but um, those stories of resilience really carry me and really like, um, I guess, motivate me to keep creating resources and, and working with teachers and doing the work. Um, and, you know, it's what motivated me to write that book because I really, I feel also that teacher and student stories aren't out there in the public. I feel like a lot of times we hear about students and teachers and about education, but we don't hear from them. Right. And so for me, telling those stories um, has been really, really important part of my work and yeah, what motivates me. Right. Because really, uh, stories sell more than a presentation can, right? And so the stories that we hear from teachers, the stories that we hear from parents, the story they hear from kids really show the resilience that we see in the kids. Yeah, it's all about the stories. What recommendations do you have for schools that want to create similar programs or districts or states? Well, in terms of districts in New York State, I mean, they can work with us. Um, we offer monthly orientations and we have educators come. We usually ask an administrator or an AP or a coach to come with the teacher, someone who can support the teacher in the work because it's a lot to learn. So we do that monthly and you can go on our website, um, email us and get involved. And we can, if it feels like the right fit, any of our programs, you can join our one of our cohorts. Um, and um, you can check out our website at bridges-sifeproject.com. We have a lot of videos and resources that you could apply to your own district and context. And hopefully that will help. We've really tried to make it resource rich. During the pandemic, um, we pivoted and created, you know, put all put a lot of curriculum resources online and in, a, in different online formats so teachers could access it as they were trying to put everything online. Um, so we've tried to be really responsive to what districts need. Um, so I would say reach out to us. But ultimately, um, you know, I think that it's about working with teachers, working with students. Um, you know, there's so many resources out there, but, you know, in a book that I'm going to be writing and the cover publishing in the next few few months, we talk about when you're doing it at the school level, what are the kind of systems that you need to create right. for multilingual learners? Right. Um, and there are key considerations to, to consider before putting these programs into schools. So that's something that my colleague Joanna Yip and I discuss. Right. Um, hopefully that will come out in, in the winter. Right. We'll have to get you back, you and your colleague back, to, to talk about those systems because you're right. It's so we've we've talked about the teacher, the student, the family level, but really the one level that we we haven't talked about yet is the systems. And so we'll have to wait for that conversation. Definitely, school leaders and district leaders so important important factor. Right, right. But thank you, Tan. This has been really great to have this conversation with you. I've really enjoyed it. It's an honor. Before you go, let me ask yeah. you uh, the traffic light question. So red light uh, is <laughs> red light is something that you ask teachers to stop doing in terms of working with life kids. Yellow light is something that we can do to slow down our practice. And then green light is something that they can do as much as often or much, as much as possible. 
I guess the red light would be don't just teach without getting to know the students, yeah. without assessing. Um, I think one of the biggest pitfalls that we can, as, as educators can do is just teaching um, without considering the learner, just following the plan. Um, I think it's tempting because of all the pressures that teachers face, but it definitely um, most often doesn't serve our students. Right, right. Um, yellow, I mean, the way that I used to slow down was be able, I think going back to what we talked about earlier is the ability to just have a conversation with a colleague yeah. or a student. It helps, it, it's amazing, like kind of listening to another perspective can slow you down and make you think about a way to pivot if you're stuck, yes. right? Like yes. I, I, the times where I just sat down and talked to one of my students, um, you know, sometimes they'll really tell you, especially if you start and you're starting to build that relationship. and. Yeah. The, the idea of being able to talk to a colleague, sometimes you can just sort things out and get that support and an idea for what to do next. Yeah. Another idea, um, the green light, I mean, go observe other colleagues that are doing things that you want to learn. I think that's the best way to learn. In addition, you know, obviously professional learning, but leveraging like your, your colleagues and going into their classroom, seeing how your students perform in another classroom, what they what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and um, don't stop. I think really important also is always being a learner. Yes. I think in being a T educator, it can be really challenging. Sometimes we get really tired. Um, and obviously we need to find whatever is going to support us as educators. And I think that's really, really important for teachers. It's something that was really challenging for me when I was a teacher, but I, I feel like being open to learning and getting that support so that I can continue to be optimistic about being open to learning is so key. That's the ultimate green light, but you know it does take a lot of practice and also finding the things that can give you support. Teachers work really, really hard. I have great respect for teachers. So you said that uh, you asked teachers to continue being learners, and you've definitely helped us be a learner in this podcast. So, Dr. Lisa Oshlander, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tom. Before we recap this episode, I have a favor and an invitation. My favor is to ask you to please review this podcast if you found it valuable so that teachers like you become inspired and informed in their advocacy work. My invitation is for you to enroll in my scaffolding learning or teacher collaboration courses. I've taken the principles that I've learned from experts in the field. I've applied them to my classes. I kept the things that worked and I'm sharing all of them in these courses. I hope you consider enrolling. Now, on to our recap. Like all other guests before, Dr. Oshlander recommended that we first not see life in a limited way. We must see them for their assets. Yes, their journey of formal learning has been inconsistent, but their life experience still have layers of richness that can be integrated into the classroom. One thing that I really love about the Bridges program is that it provides videos for teachers to see the suggestions implemented in actual classes. These videos are like going into high-performing, highly supportive classes for SLIFE. The videos can be found at bridgessifeproject.com. I've learned so much from these videos and hope you will too. In the next episode, we connect with Canadian teacher Stephanie Ledger 
who will talk about a literacy framework for his life. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon. Be safe and be rooted in peace. It's your turn to play Traffic Light Teaching. Tweet at me either your red, yellow, or green light from this particular episode. Your